Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Welcome to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. It's the Penrith Panthers and the South Sydney Rabbitohs in the 2021 Decider, and good luck to both of them. This is our grand final special over three awesome parts, one you won't and can't hear anywhere else. The biggest and best names in the game reliving their memories of grand finals, both successes and failures. What follows are interviews and sections of interviews too, that, as the title suggests, are unfiltered. Enjoy, legends. Let's go back to 2014. The grand final was between South Sydney and Canterbury Bankstown. An amazing game of footy. And the lead-in was equally as amazing. Both hookers actually missed the GF because of incidents in the prelim the week before. Michael Ennis with a broken foot and Isaac Luke through suspension. Appy Corusau. Life is about the chances you take, I guess. You took it, mate, called into a side, excelled, and now have a premiership ring. Yeah. Um, pretty crazy circumstances to be thrown into a grand final. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was just I was just so glad I was able to be backed by, you know, some of the big names in that team, and they had all the faith in me and, you know, let me know that throughout the week as well, which really helped. And, um, you know, it was just lucky to get the chocolates on the day. You were only a baby back then, mate. You were learning your craft. How was the week now that you look back on it? Um, yeah, it was it was actually incredible. Um, nothing nothing like it ever before. There was, you know, events in the city, um, dinners. We had to wear suits, um, parades, and you know, getting around to all these different functions. And yeah. this is all within a week. Uh, you know, leading up to a grand final, and yeah, it was it was it was incredible. I was I was telling the boys actually last year as well. Um, for the Penrith one, we uh, weren't able to do any of those sort of commitments, but um, yeah, it's actually pretty memorable as well getting around that as well is there one thing that stands out about the game above all else or does it all just become a blur oh it's yeah it's a blur i honestly wouldn't remember <laughs> much of it if i hadn't seen the replay <laughs> um actually there is one memory that that does come to mind when i think of the gf and it's uh sam burgess tapped me on the shoulder just telling me you know i've got to look after him um a little bit here because he's you know his eye was gone and you know, after he said that to me i was yeah yeah that was incredible Wow, because that was first tackle of the game, him and James Graham clashing melons. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And, yeah, I couldn't believe it. He's just saying, yeah, just, <laughs> like, you know, he's just letting everyone know. And, you know, just to let the boys fight up, you know, we're ready to do anything for him. 
South Sydney won at 30 to 6, a huge day for Appy Coruscant, our guest, and the Cardinal of Myrtle. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Let's wind back the clock. The date, Sunday the 30th of September 2012. The venue, Sydney's Olympic Stadium with 82,976 fans. The event, the NRL Grand Final and the teams were the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs and the Melbourne Storm. Our look at the game is through the eyes of Storm Stalwart, the boy from Tamora, Ryan Hinchcliffe, Grand final week is different to the other 51 in the year. How difficult is it not to build up too quickly? Yeah, it's, um, it is really important. Um, you know, I think the main thing is that you you don't get too caught up in the emotion of it all. Obviously, it is a sort of special week for lots of different reasons. and um, But at the same time, you've got to go out and play a game. And the game that you're playing is still the same game that you played the 25 or whatever weeks before that. So it's important to understand yet you would appreciate the occasion, um, that's for sure. But the most important thing is that you go out and you've, you've got to want to execute your role and do what you have to do to, um, to, to give yourself the best chance to win the game. Let's set up the grand final. It was first and second place sides. The Bulldogs were the minor premiers. And the Storm were probably still rebuilding from a dark period in their history. I remember from our side of the fence, it was pure emotion. How much emotion was there for you guys? This appeared to be more than just another footy match. Yeah, it was, Andy. And probably, as sort of alluded to, it goes back to, obviously, there was, we had the salary cap in 2010. Um, lost a lot of players from our squad that year and going into 2011. Not just players. They were, you're talking representative players. You know, Greg Inglis, Brett White. Um, Jeff Lienema, Aidan Tolman, uh, Dallas Johnston, um, you know, just, just Ryan Hoffman went overseas. So, you know, 2011, we, um, you know, we got some players in from all over the place. We had a guy named Jamin Moe come in, Adam Woolnow, uh, Troy Thompson, who was playing at Raiders at the time, uh, Maurice Blair. Um, so we brought in these players who weren't, were pretty much playing local league wherever they were. And in 2011, we went on to win the minor premiership, uh, had a really good year. And um, again, that year we were riding, I suppose, a, a bit of redemptive energy from the year before and um, didn't quite get the job done that year. But 2012 was, again, a bit similar. We, we trained in the pre-season and was sort of driving us um, to try and, I suppose, put right some some wrongs. And, um, you know, we had a bit of an up and down year 2012. 2012, we mm. went through a stage there not long before the finals where we actually lost five games in a row. Um, so, and again, and then we just, you know, we just seemed to put it together at the at the right time and, you know, things, you always need a little bit of luck and, and we had a little bit of luck and, um, you know, at the end of the day, we ended up you know, winning, winning our last sort of, I think it was six or seven games. You mentioned you lost five in a row. You'd won the first nine games, then you won eight straight. Craig Bellamy does an amazing job in terms of timing. Always has. Yeah, he has. He's you know, and I think the big thing that he that he pushes is consistency throughout the year. And generally, um, you know, the whatever you're consistent at throughout the year generally comes out on the biggest stages. Yeah. Um, so he's very, you know, he's he's big on that. And I think that's the consistency thing. It's probably 
um, why you know his teams over the years have been able to to win the you know put themselves in a chance to win some big games and and Owen are always around. I think the Storm's been in eight prelims in the last ten years, so you know he's rather than sort of time in his run. I think it's the consistency that a push that he pushes every week. Um, you know that comes out on the big stages. You start the game from the interchange. What do you recall of the early moments? Oh, what do I recall? Um, it's funny. Like I, I remember the game, obviously, but I think because you're so wound up at the time, it, my, my my memories of of certain moments. But I I remember uh, the biting incident. Yeah, um, James Graham. You know that caused a um, you know obviously caused a bit of a stir. I think I was on I was on the field at that stage, um, so I recall that fairly strongly. But um, yeah, I, I just remember it being a you know it was a, a tight game. There's not a lot of points scored. Yeah, you know Smith had a few opportunities to kick a few penalty goals, and I think he missed. I think he did have a bad day with the boot that day, Cameron, which is unlike him. But um, yeah, I just remember there's not many points scored. It was a you know a um, you know more of a sort of a def- defensive display, and they hundred, had us under a heap of pressure there early. Um, and I know we defended our line really well, and um, yeah, that's sort of what I sort of remember at the start of the game. It was four all, as you said, and all hell broke loose. A fight, allegations of a bite that saw James Graham suspended for 12 weeks. But Billy Slater had the next laugh, cronked to Slater and 14-4 at half time. Yeah, I do. I remember that that try. I was sort of so throughout the – funny story with that try. Throughout the week, um, uh, Josh Reynolds was a defender who sort of come up and – he you know, really put a lot of energy into taking his back rower. Yep. Um, so Ryan Hoffman and, and Billy had sort of come up with this bit of this idea. And Cooper wasn't – he wasn't convinced that this was going to be the right play. He, he, he was sort of like, nah, it's a bit too risky. I don't want to do it straight away. Um, anyway, so I think they practiced a couple of times at training. I don't I – don't, you know, the timing of it didn't quite work. The defence didn't do what Josh Reynolds was going to do. So it wasn't quite where – Cooper wanted it to be to be able to put it on, you know, in that game. Yeah. But um, they called it. I think I think Hoffy and Bill called the play, and so Hoffy ran that nice line that he did, and Josh Reynolds sprinted up, you know, and took um, took Hoffy, and then you know Bill just popped popped in from the inside, and you know a beautiful ball from Cooper, and I suppose the rest is history. But um, yeah, Cooper took some convincing to get that play across the line, but. It was a, um, you know, it was a special pass, and you know, and, and Billy Slater, you know, on the on the money as always. Billy's a wonderful athlete. Craig Bellamy told me many many years ago that he's a real tactician in terms of rugby league. He's a he's a footy head. He's a tragic, and his ideas are absolutely top shelf. And that's a pretty good example of it, isn't it? Yeah, he he is. He's just he um, you know, he he hasn't. Not one of those guys who just, you know, was a talented player and, you know, ended up playing a lot of first grade because he was talented and he trained hard. He, he also, you know, watched a hell of a lot of vision and he he, he sort of changed the way fullbacks, and I know Craig said this before, changed the way fullbacks played yeah. and did things around the field, you know, and, and that was through him watching footy um, and a lot studying opposition teams, studying points where he thinks he could get an, an advantage with the ball, um, you know, understanding what, Opposition defences do, and when they do this, you know we're going to change and we're going to do that. You know, so he, um, you know, and he, and he took the responsibility on himself. He didn't wait for a coach to come and say, "What do you reckon about this? Let's mm. have a look at this play." He he was often the one 
uh, you know, coming to the coaches saying, what do you think of this? I think this might work and let's give it a shot. So he was always trying to work stuff out, Bill, and that's, you know, that's part of why he was, you know, such a champion player. Looking through the record books and the second half was the first scoreless half in grand final history. Some may say boring, I say no way. It was brutal, it was brilliant, and both sides showed amazing courage and resilience. Yeah, they did. And, you know, I think, um, as I said, I think Smithy missed a couple of goals, but I remember sort of close to the line there. It might have been when it was 14-4, I think. Uh, it might have been, it was 10-4. But, uh, Mick Innes came out from dummy half and he was, for all money, he was going to score, you know, and he barged over the line. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, Cameron Smith ended up you know, getting underneath him and, and held him up in a um, in an unbelievable show of strength. Um, now at some some period in there in the in the second half, there's also a funny story about um, name your good mate Brian Norrie in that in that yeah. game. Um, I think I can't remember who. But I think Gareth Widdop might have put the bomb up just under the post. So I think it landed. Um, Nos didn't play the ball, but he was just sort of he might have been he must have been in in front of Gareth a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Gareth put this bomb up. Um, and I think Ben Barb was fullback at the time. He's fumbled it somehow. And, and Noz, you know, he's obviously seen the heavens have opened up and this football's landed in his arms from about 10 out and he's um, sprinted through and scored under the post. And he, um, yeah, he, he, anyway, he, he's, he's got up. He thought he scored. He yeah. thought, yep, this I've scored. So he's you know, front row scoring a try in grand final day. It's the greatest moment of your life. Um, so he's you know, carrying, not carrying on, but celebrating. No, massively, and um, you know. Anyway, they go and go upstairs and have a look, and end up, you know, it's a um, a, di- a disallowed try. But you know, the funny thing is, Noz now works. He was working in the bunker, which is um, which is which is quite funny. But he's actually got a picture at home in his room of it. Um, of the signed Storm jersey. And he's got a picture of himself celebrating that try. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> which is a, which was a no try, but anyway. But yeah, oh, beautiful. Funny. Full time is the emotion easy or difficult to explain? Um, uh, no, it was pretty easy. I think it was um just a complete elation. You know, I think when you win a grand final, that's you know. I was, sometimes said to my wife, I said, I've had kids, I've been married, but the elation of winning a grand final is like nothing else. Um, yeah, because of all because of the the work you know that's gone into it. You know, the, the amount of time the sacrifices from everyone so um yeah it was it was it's a a, again just a special special moment and um you know it's just on a high that you know that lasts for a last for months really um and and as you said that one was all a bit more special because of what had happened to our club you know a couple of years before and the, the building the rebuilding process that we went through the 2012 NRL Grand Final, Melbourne over the Bulldogs, 14 points to four, and another successful chapter in the Storm's history. Here's Kevin Walters' recollections of the Broncos' premiership in 1992. I remember uh, getting back to Brisbane that, that night, because there were three o'clock kickoffs in those days, and we went back to the Leagues Club and we were had a few beers on, yeah. on board by then, of course, so... Um, there was a crowd of about 10,000 people on where we used to train at Red Hill on, on the field. They'd set up a stage and we were presented to the crowd and the, the people were going ballistic. And I remember Alf running and diving into the crowd mm. and they caught him, you know, and 
Did the passed, crowd surfing? Yeah, yeah, passed him back. Uh, I think he lost his shoes or he, he still had his boots on. I think he lost his boots in the crowd somewhere. And then uh, so next thing was Lazo. Lazo's gone yeah. in and uh, big 120 kilos. Lazo dived into the crowd and they've gone down with him, you know. Oh, they got him back <laughs> up and they started, they started to fight. Gee, like, that looks like fun. I'll, I'll have a crack at this. So I took a big run up and just dived like Superman off the stage and I could just see him like the, the, the Red Sea. They just, just parted. parted. They oh. parted on me and bang. Head I'll first. Into the deck, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Lazo took a lot out of that crowd tonight boy, <laughs> with his – the big fella, but no, it was just great times. And into the night, we I think we shaved our head that night as well, and we got our numbers drawn in the back of our head the next day, and all sorts of things. But it was a really special time. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Our next guest has the rare distinction of being an NRL and Challenge Cup winner. Jason Clark has lobbed 169 games for your beloved South Sydney. Is the 2014 grand final win the one that just stands out above all others? Mate, it has to. It's what, you know, it's what you play NRL for. It's what you dream of as a kid, playing in the backyard, playing in the streets, kicking the ball around with your friends. And to to, to say I've done it is unbelievable. You know, not a lot have, have said they've done it. Yeah. Um, you know, looking back, the way it all unfolded, I couldn't tell you the games and the, the score lines in them, but it just, it was just a fairy tale ending. It was a magical run into the grand final and, the grand final itself, the type of game for you young blokes who grew up idolising South Sydney, the stuff, the dreams come true, where you almost could have thrown away your footy boots at the end of the game and retired and been a happy fella. Definitely, mate. As a kid growing up, you you know, you got friends who are fans of other clubs and they give the banter of your, your club don't even have a, a coloured photo of your premiership winning team. But all, all that, all those sort of banders can go out the window now because they have got nothing on us now. And mate, the, the club's come a long way, and it's it's amazing where, to see where they're at today. Thirty points to six, the grand final score. The scoreline suggests it was an easy game, an easy win. It was anything but. It was so brutal and so physical. It will go down as one of the toughest. Oh, I. Uh, I can't disagree with you, that's for sure. Obviously, there's a start of the game with Sammy, with his face playing, you know, 80 minutes with a broken face, unbelievable. Um, parts along the game that happened that just unfolded where it could have went either way. Yeah. Obviously, like you said, the scoreline doesn't show the way the game went. We, we scored a lot of tries towards the end of the game. They just kept coming at the end there. But, um, you know, looking back at it, it was just unbelievable the way it unfolded. Everyone just seemed at 100% or even more of, of their best ability they could be at. You know, looking at the team, looking at the, how, 
how physically fit everyone was, just being able to look at them when you stand along the the uh, the line. And just even before the game, when uh, when we went out to do the to the lineup for the game, get to wait to do the national anthem, it was another thing. We were, we were out there quite early mm. or on time, but we were sort of out there by ourselves, and we got to soak it up, look at each other, and really look into each other's eyes, look at the crowd, soak it all in. And the Bulldogs st- still weren't even out yet. We looked up on the big screen, and they were still getting in the huddle, yeah, um, in the shed. They're trying to take the piss here, so. We just kept enjoying it, like nodding to each other, saying this they're, they're trying to do us, that this is even better for us. Because we can we were standing there for a good eight minutes, soaking up the crowd, seeing our family, smiling at them, giving them a nod. And then they had to come out. We had to do the national anthem. We did a bit of another warm-up, then we kicked off. So all that last little bit for them was really rushed, I can imagine. But for us, we it went so slow and it was just enjoyable. Can you pick faces out in the crowd with the adrenaline, with the noise, with the atmosphere? Are you calm enough that you can see loved ones, as you just said? Well, like I just said, we had we had time too. Like I remember when we ran out, the the roar just goes through your chest, through your body of yeah. the crowd. But then you come back into that line where you you wait to do the national anthem, and we stood there for a good time. And our our families were sort of just behind the bench of the yep. of our team. So we knew they were going to be close by and you could catch eyes with them and, you know, everyone was there. It's just my family and caught eyes, just give them a nod and it was just perfect. It worked well for us. Did you realise over that next week just how important footy can be for the fans, seeing the emotion of your achievements? I think I, I probably understood it even more being a local kid. Yep. You know, we 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 spent a whole week of celebrating not as a team but as a as a club. We yep. we we took the NRL trophy up onto the Harbour Bridge. We took it to the town hall where the the march led to get the the club back into the comp. We did an open top bus around Maroubra, Coogee Beach, Ranwick, all these places where I've I've grown up around. I went to school in Ranwick. Yeah. Maroubra Beach is my my local. My, Proposed to my wife there. I met her there, and we swim there every every weekend. We know everyone down there, and to go past there with the NRL trophy on the bus and see everyone that you know, you know how much it means to everyone. You drive through Mascot, you see white rabbits still painted on the on the roads. Wonderful memories. Thanks for dropping in, mate. Chat soon. All the best, Andy. Take care, mate. Best side of all time. What you thinking? Eels, early 80s perhaps? Broncos, early 2000s maybe? Or the Roosters, more recently winning 18-19? What about the 94 Raiders premiership winning side? Here's their grand final lineup. Mullins at fullback, the wingers are Nagus and Nadruku, the centres Meninga and Wiki, Daly and Stewart in the halves. The forwards, Osborne, Steve Walters and Quentin Pongia. The second row, Ferner and Croker. And Clyde is the lock. What a side. Davey Ferner joins us. It's a side I reckon would compete with any of the last 50 years. What are your thoughts? Oh, Andy, it was a good side. It was. Um, it had a real good balance of experienced players, representative players and youth. And I think it was, uh, you know, Tim Tim Sheens was the coach at the time, did a really good job of blending that team together. So it was a team there that uh, that, that didn't want to let uh, each other down. We wanted to play our best footy and we had some guidance of 
successful players there that have been there before. As you mentioned before, Mal Meninga, uh, Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Brad, Bradley, uh, Bradley Clyde, Steve Waters. So um, it, I think it was a pretty good side. And for that era, I think it was the, the most dominant side. Fernsey, we did an interview with Laurie Daly on the Legends series recently, and he said, we weren't arrogant in any way, shape or form, but if you sat in the dressing room and you thought to yourself, if he plays well and he plays well and I play well, we're going to be pretty much impossible to beat. That is a wonderful level of individual and collective confidence that I believe you all possessed. And it's not arrogance. It's just a belief. No, there wasn't. I don't think... Our senior players there, and I mentioned Mal before, who at that time in 94, it was his last year, had achieved so much. This is a, a player there that that, that, that four kangaroo tours. So, yeah. But he never carried that arrogance. He, he played with, you know, like he was such a good player that he didn't allow anyone around him to, to carry on. Yeah, you know, there's no big heads in the team. But you just put it, you know, like, and Loz described it really well, that all you had to worry about is you play your best footy. Yeah. You know, and that's that's I think was the collective success there in the team. We, we it's all about playing our best, and I think every player at the time there it was more about wanting the respect of the players around you to to, to say, listen, you know, like I love playing with yep. with you as a player. You know, that was probably how the how the team was driven. Okay, let's try and find a weakness. If you're coaching against the Raiders in '94, is there a weakness? Um, I think all look. I think all teams. I think, as you know, with the competition, it's a it's a long year. Um, I think it's a funny thing. I know we're talking about ninety four, a uh, ninety four, but I think our ninety five team with the experience was, was I felt thought was better. I think okay. we only we only sort of lost two games, but we never got to the grand final. We got beaten by Canterbury, who we beat in the grand final ninety four. So all teams can be beaten. I think Laurie was spot on there, but if everyone played their game yep. if, uh, as best they can, it was very hard to beat. I wouldn't say impossible. There's always ways, but I yeah. just reckon Laurie summed it up well. If everyone on that in that team played their best footy, we were very hard to beat. The halves, very different style of player, very different blokes too, Ricky and Laurie, but together, gee, they were amazing. Uh, yeah, Rick. Still to the, this day, I see, you know, you, 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 you're, I'm involved in coaching. Um, I see the players. Rick was a player there that actually steered the the uh, the ship, you know. So he was like the, the first receiver. Laurie, who I still say, people ask me the question, who's the best player you played with? I always say, look, I've, I've been privileged. But I say Laurie because he was a yep. complete package. Mm. He could do most of it. He was a very good defender. But together, you know, Rick was able to muster up the forwards. You know, he'd actually he'll steer he would steer us where we where we need to go. All we had to do was run, run, <laughs> yeah, run where Rick told us to run because he, in his mind, he was another play ahead. Yeah. So all we had to do was make sure that we we get some sort of quick play of the ball. And then you'd see that, you know, uh, you know, uh, he'd call a super call there, an overriding call from Steve Wallers to Ricky Stewart, and then bang, it's out the lorry. Well, then it was too late. You know, then you got you either got Mal or you got uh, Ruben. Then you had Noah and Adruka. All, so all of a sudden, you got Mullows. He was just able to guide that around. Whereas Loz, and then if Loz wanted to run, he could penetrate most of the back back, back line. So he was, it was a it, it was an ideal pa- pairing of a half and a five eight. 
that 94 grand final, the Laurie Daly try, one of my favourites of all time. And from memory, it was you that actually passed the ball to Loz. So you can be taking credit. You started it. Well, I think that's a try assist, I think. Yeah, exactly you know, right. The, uh, the terminology now. But I will say it was a... It was a... <laughs> it was... Uh, a style I learnt in uh, in rugby union. I just popped the ball up, you know, as you do in rugby union. But he was still 50 metres out. Loz had a fair bit of work to yeah. do. But I'll claim it, mate. Good. I'm happy with that. Good man. Thanks for <laughs> dropping in, Fernsey. We'll skip forward eight years to 2002 and English and Roosters enforcer Adrian Morley. Ricky's intensity rubs off. The defensive system, the intent, the physicality used by Ricky and you guys was new, it was brutal, it was successful. Fast forward 20 years, it's still the same, mate. The, that rushing defence and picking out a guy and just putting him on his ass. Yeah, yeah, well, I, uh, you know, I obviously enjoyed that way of being coached and, uh, you know, uh, we, we did have a, a fit set of forwards, uh, you know, Luke Rickardson, Craig Fitzgibbon, and uh, we could we could uh, play really really intense for for long periods of time. So we all uh, enjoyed that that way of, of defending, and and it suited us. And um, you know, we won the last I think we won the last nine games straight to to take out the the, the grand final, which was uh, an amazing finish to uh, to a great year. You mentioned Fitzy. Craig Fitzgibbon, who could be the nicest guy and the biggest gentleman to ever play the game of rugby league since 1908, but he was the <laughs> silent assassin on the field at this time, a guy that was as hard as they come. Do you agree? Yes, 100%. He's, he's up there with my, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, you, everyone you play with, you've got a, a bond and a camaraderie and and that kind of thing, but he was probably my, my favourite teammate. Just just the way he played the game, uh, no nonsense would would leave everything out there. You know, there's, there's probably three or four players who, who I could pick out. Who, who uh, there's Jamie Peacock in the UK, and yep. you know, is that that kind of um, that type of player is Craig Fitzgibbon, and no no, no matter what. Uh, state his body was in, you know, leading up to the game. If he said he was playing, he'd give he'd give you no less than hundred percent on the field, and and that's what you want. And uh, yeah, he was uh, just a worker and a grafter, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, to to play all them years with him. Thirty-two meters out from the line, Minicello got a quick play. The ball, Fletcher got in and away. Mullins goes for the accelerator. Mullins gets the ball inside. Shannon Hegarty. Hegarty will score. First points of the grand final. Scored by Shannon Hegarty. Crocker again. Fittler goes from the left side. Works over to the right side. Here's Craig Wigan. Craig. Craig Wing is in to score. Well, Brad Fittler knew that it was time to stand tall. And he has come from the left to the right and combined with his number seven. The 2002 Grand Final, what stands out? What memory stands above all the others? Well, I remember sitting in the in the changing room before the game. Uh, obviously, I didn't, I didn't realise how big the sport was in Australia until the Roosters made the Grand Final. And no matter where you looked, I used to live in Coogee, and no matter where you looked, there was uh, red, white and blue flags and 
and their posters, etc., all around. So that the the town went absolutely mad. I remember being sat in the changing rooms and, and I opened the programme and, um, and there was a bit of a piece on me saying which which list will Morley join? And there's a list of English players who, who played in a grand final and lost. And there's about six or seven names and a list of English players who played in a grand final and won on the other side of the page. And again, there's only about six or seven names. But So I knew I'd, I'd join one of these elite groups, you know, winning or losing, but I just thought I just want to join the, the winning one. Mm. So, uh, but I enjoyed reading the piece, you know, looking at the the famous names throughout the years because there's not that many uh, English players who, who played in such the big showpiece in Australia. And uh, but that that was nice reading that. And then obviously when we got the win, I knew we joined the, the the right side, the winning side, and it was uh, it was great. But but since getting the win, really, um, I mean the, the the you know the memories of you know winning and the celebrating and all that were. Uh, were fantastic and they'll stay with me but I think it was getting that win that that I really got accepted then uh, off the Aussies off, off the press off uh, opponents teammates and, and everyone really and since getting that win I felt there was a bit of uh, bit of weight and a bit of pressure off me then and after that it was uh, it was plain sailing then Straight up the middle plays it back for Crocker again and this time to the boot of Brett Oh Fitler oh! Oh, he's been taken a couple of times. Hey, hey! Fitler's bleeding oh. from a gash above the left eye. He has been hammered by Corpu. Like a nasty head clash. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's just a charge down. Play on. Gee, I tell you what, there's got to be some suspicion about the Villa Santi. In what way? Well, it just looked like he deliberately headbutted Brad Fittler was in the twilight of his career, a beloved player. You didn't have to support the Roosters to like what Freddie brought to the game. He was, many believe, taken out during the game. You stood up for your teammates, legally, fairly, and physically. Is that a, a tackle that you remember, the, the, the shot on Richard Villasanti? I do, yeah, and... Uh... In a way, I, I, I thought New Zealand were on top of that point. And uh, in a way, you know, him doing that really uh, brought us together and yeah. really, really, we, we flicked a switch then when we needed that. So, you know, Villa Sunny, if he hadn't done that, you know, it could have been a different result. But when he did that, you know, we didn't really say a great deal the forwards. We just looked at each other and you, you just know you have that, um, you know, a bit of a. Um, you know what the other players are thinking, yeah. and we just thought, right, we're gonna we're gonna sort him out. But, but our uh, intensity and our uh, aggression levels knocked up a notch after that, and then it was all on after that. But it was uh, but it but it was a great bit of theatre for the uh, for the for the spectators, and it was uh, it was great that that fired us up. But it was just uh, just another little uh, another little story of the, uh, of the of the of the main game. But it was uh, it was great. Hello legends, I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. 
Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week, and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want, and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview. This is Andy Raymond Unfiltered, The Blast. Let's wind back the clock. The date's Sunday, October 2, 2016. The venue is Sydney's Olympic Stadium and the event, the NRL Grand Final. The teams were the Cronulla Sharks and the Melbourne Storm in front of 83,625 fans. Cronulla had won 15 straight games earlier in the season and the core group of their footy side I reckon we're probably playing career best footy. The club had entered into the competition in 1967. They hadn't won a premiership and this class of 16 had had enough of the bad jokes. The Storm were playing in their sixth grand final in 10 years. They were the benchmark and they had won a final round game against Cronulla to claim the minor premiership. Our look at the game is through the eyes of Cronulla's Wade Graham. A low scoring first half, just the eight points. But, Wade, it was tough. It was so tough. Yeah, it was a hard game. It was one of those games um, where the whistle goes and you feel good for about 10 minutes and then um, then you start getting tired. And normally you, know, you, normally you push through and you keep going and at some stage you get a bit of a respite, whether it be a try or a scrum or, or a, a stoppage in play where you get your breath back. But what I do remember the most about that night, it was a night where I just felt tired the whole night. Like I couldn't – it was hard to catch up. You just didn't have that opportunity. Both teams, um, you know, I think we completed almost at 100% in the first half yep. and Melbourne wasn't wasn't far behind us. Um, the ball was in play. We scored the two tries um, early in the first half and then it just became a bit of a grind. And, um, you know, Melbourne, we almost played the perfect half of footy that first half of footy. And to go in at 12-0, I think it was, was unbelievable. Melbourne just showed, you know, what a great team they were just yeah. to be hanging in there and then give themselves a chance to actually take the lead in the second half. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. And obviously, in hindsight, that we won. It's uh, probably the best game of my life. Mick Ennis in the middle of everything, niggling, sledging, annoying, basically being himself. Is there a fear of pissing off the opposition and that type of thing backfiring from time to time? Nah, nah. Well, there's a funny story about Mick, actually. Um, so we're in the sheds before, just before we go out to kick off. I think the two-minute um, bell was just about to go. Anyway, we've done the warm-up. We've come back in, and we're all sort of having the chat going around. And then um, Flano's last message, like he was talking the whole time, his last message was start game, be clean, like a good defensive set, keep them down their first half. You know, if we make him kick deep, get some kick pressure on them, you know, Benny or someone at the back will get on the forward, bring it back, will be in good field position straight at the start of the game, have the momentum. So, anyways, Flano's just hammering, 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 hammering this, and Mickey's on the back of him saying the same stuff. So, anyway, we kick off, and Matty Pryor makes the tackle on, um, I think it was Bromwich or McLean, about one metre out from the trial line. Yeah. And then play two, Nicky Ennis has come up. It was Bromwich who uh, Prisa tackled because play two, Nicky Ennis had to jump about two foot to hit McLean across his chin. And then I sort of just, I had a little laugh at that stage, like, because uh, I remembered the message. Yep. And then I said, I remember Mickey looking at me and I just sort of laughed. 
And then I said, mate, is it like that tonight? Is it? And he went, yeah, mate, it's like that. I was like, right. <laughs> and then away we went. Off you went. Sharks held the advantage at half time. In the second half, first it was Jesse Bromwich scoring from Melbourne. 14 minutes later, this. Smith through Hampton to Walsh. I think at some stage, Ray Vunavalu has to be a target for the wide kick. There's an offload, finds Cronk. Now Hampton gets it back. Chambers steps out of it. Chambers for the line. Chambers. He scores a grand final try. Melbourne take the lead. Well, I cannot believe this. The Melbourne Storm. They've got hearts as big as Farlap. What do you recall of the Will Chambers try and what were you thinking? Um, probably, so the whole day I, was, I felt, um, you know, probably more nervous than, than usual. I don't really get nervous. I remember that that was probably the, the only, the first time in the game I was actually, oh, well, things haven't gone to plan. Before yep. that, um, you know, everything had sort of gone to plan, apart from the Mickey's head eye in the second tackle. <laughs> but we started the way we wanted to start. We were pretty dynamic at the start of the game. I, I remember Jimmy going through a couple of times. I think Lukey Lewis went through once. Um, and we were having success, you know, and playing the way we wanted to play. And um, we got to two tries, uh, 12 nil, feeling pretty confident. And then, yeah, after half time, we knew Melbourne were going to be in the game all the way, right? They were a quality team. And then Bromish scored. And I still wasn't feeling that that worried because the week previous when we played the Cowboys, they scored a quick try after half time as yep. well. And we sort of just clicked back into gear and, and scored another try and we were okay. But then after the Chambers try, um, which which I think put them in in the lead. Yeah, it did. We sort of all got we all sort of got behind the line. And we're all sort of not not dazed, but we're all sort of just in our own little heads. And I remember Jimmy Maloney actually getting everyone in. He put he said, everyone in, everyone in, everyone in. And he just said, listen, we knew, you know, Melbourne are a good team. We knew it wasn't going to be all our way the whole night. So let's just, you know, focus now, get back into the next set and then, um, you know, and then we'll get we'll get back in the game. And then sure enough, good defensive set. Uh, they kick off. We have a couple of good attacking sets. We, I think we might have got a penalty. Jimmy finds touch and on the back of that, we get another repeat set and then Big Fifty crashes over and puts us back in, in the lead. So, um, and then after that, it was just, Held to skelter until the to the bell. The Fafita try, very very special, wasn't it? So Cronulla with Ben Barber slowly playing the ball. Cronulla runs it Welsh and Hampton. Smith, the third man in. So here's Ennis now. Fafita tries to crash his way over. He does. Fafita got the ball over the line. Michael Ennis. Five, they Mike. saw what I saw. Your try. We all saw what you saw. Fafita's got it on the ground. Well, that's what he's capable of. And the big fella, he's just an awkward big thing. He's hard to handle when he gets his steam up and he just... We see Andrew Fafita maintains possession and grounds the ball in the end goal. Have a decision and going to the board. That's so it's a... going to be green lights. There's probably maybe you know, a handful of guys, you know, to play the game yep. over as long as I as long as I have ever watched the game. So that's close to, you know, 25 years they could have scored that, you know, and I'm talking about guys in their prime playing their best yeah. footy. There's probably a handful of guys who could get held up that way, hold the ball out in one hand, twist over and put it down. And, you know, luckily for us, that was for feeder. 
you know, in his prime, in his, in that stage of his career, right time, right place, came up with a play like that as, as magic. 14-12 to Cronulla. The next 10 minutes, it wasn't about ability. It wasn't about talent or shapes or whatever. It was about character. It was about who wanted it the most. Melbourne kept coming and coming and coming, threatening to steal your premiership. Was it the ultimate test of character? Oh, it was. It went down, like I said, you know, I felt like I was out on my feet from 10 minutes into the game to the end, to so 70 minutes. Um, and then a lot of the time when you get that deep in the game, it, you know, not only are you fatigued, it actually becomes harder to defend because you stop playing the structured footy and yep. you start throwing the ball around, shifting out of your own half, and it's not it's not the typical structured stuff. So, it, you know, it, it takes its toll. And then I just remember just keep moving, keep moving, keep making your tackles, keep making your tackles, keep closing Jimmy's inside, keep pushing the middle tight when I don't need him. And it's just, I suppose, when you get into those situations deep into the game, you know, that's where all the sort of the practice and the training takes over. You just keep doing your job, mate. It's like a never-ending cycle. And luckily for us, uh, you know, we had everyone, you know, t- you know, turn out, you know, yep. turn out on trumps that night, and we got the job done. Like you play that game another hundred hundred times, and you you might only win it, you know, fifty fifty percent of the time mm. with that sort of effort. So, um, yeah, well, I'm very grateful and you know very pleased that we got the job done. The final whistle, the dressing rooms, the streets of Cronulla, the celebrations. Five years on, what stands out the most? Yeah, probably two. The feeling after when you go into the sheds. Yeah. You, you, you're, on the, you're on the field for, you know, it feels like close to an hour. By the time you see the opposition, shake hands, do the lap, do the presentation, do all that, you know, see your family quickly from afar. Um, you know, it's an hour before you get into the sheds. And then there's the team like team sort of chat with, yep. with the families around and you do that and then the trophies in there, you get all your photos. And then there's that moment where it's just, all right, everyone out, we'll see he's back on and then the team just comes in to um, probably have a shower and, and change and just, you know, that moment there, I remember just sitting down and having a beer and looking around and, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest feeling was it was relief. Relief yeah. that we got it done, relief that we won. It starts when you're 14 or 15, like yeah. you get picked in your in a junior rep team and then you go, okay, I want to, you know, do this and do this. And then you, you want to play first grade and say, okay, I want to play first grade. You, and then you make first grade and say, okay, I want to be consistent. I want to be successful in the first grade. And then it's just a grind the whole way. And then obviously the, the goal pops up, you want to win the premiership. And yeah. it's so bloody hard to do. So to get it done and to realise, you know, the lifelong pursuit, the lifelong dream, it's just a massive weight off your shoulders. It's a tick. It's like, you know, about, no matter what happens from here on out, you know, fulfilled the dream. We've got it done. You know, it's, it's there. So that just that quiet moment when everyone had sort of gone and that, that moment to reflect, that was that's the one thing that stands out. And then obviously the bus back to Shark Park. Yeah. Um, the fans were all in there. We went up the back way, the exit, the fire exit up to the top, you know, where you commentate from. We were yep. up the back way up to the top stadium and we come down and the field's just got everyone on it, the trophies there, all the fans. Um yeah, it's a special time, special time for the club, special time for the community. I, sp- I think I had more people say thank you to me than congratulations. Like some people are just that happy to have the premiership. Most of you know, people come up and said, "Oh yeah, my dad was a supporter for the whole his whole life and never got to see you." So I'm glad I was here to see you, and he would have been happy. Or same stories: mums, aunties, uncles. Yeah, a lot of the community was very proud. So it was a good time. 
Wonderful story, uh, wonderful grand final. Cronulla claiming their first, scoring a 14 points to 12 win over Melbourne to claim the 2016 NRL Premiership. And finally on this episode, let's wind the clock back to the early 1980s and perhaps the most naturally gifted footballer I've seen, Brett Kenny. Three grand finals. You've got the distinction of scoring two tries in each of those grand finals. It's a feat that won't be repeated. I think I can say that confidently. How special is that to have your name in, in the history books linked with such a stat? Yeah, it is. It, it, well, it's good. I mean, it, it's probably something you don't think about too much. That someone might bring it up and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. I did. You know, and I do remember after the 82 grand final, people were saying to me, did you go out there looking to score two yep. tries? And I said, well, no. You, you know, you, it's, you're nice to score tries, but yep. you just sort of play your game and if you're in the right position at the right time, you might be lucky to come up and with a try, you know, and I was fortunate enough to be in the right position on a couple of occasions and, and score two tries. I think you're being humble there. I don't think right position is accurate, accurately the <laughs> description. I think bamboozling defence is a better description. Does one of those six tries stand out above the others? Uh, well, yes. Um, I think obviously I think a lot of people would probably agree it's the same for them as the the, the last try I scored against Newtown where it's yep. either dummy. Um, down the sideline. Down the sideline. I think everyone sort of remembers it. And, and it, 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 funny thing, it was I watched the game. At the time, I had the ball in my hands and I was thinking that Eric Grace was inside me but didn't realise, typical Eric, he was still hanging back. <laughs> um, I actually had, I think, Steve Ella was inside me and Eric was mm. back inside him. Um, and I thought, got the ball in my hand, saw Phil Sigsworth there at fullback. I thought to myself, okay, I'll have a shot at this. Yep. And if I don't, if he doesn't fall for it, I believe, I believed at the time, I had plenty of time to then offload the pass. Yep. When I saw it in the replay, realised that if he doesn't fall for it, we're not talking about that second try that I scored, um, he would have tackled me. Yeah. So... I was a bit lucky in a way that he did fall for it, but um, yeah, it was just was one of those things, and and uh, it was was good to score the try. I wasn't thinking about oh well, that's the second try I scored. I was actually, to be honest with you, I was glad I got to the try line. John Ferguson was coming from the other wing, and I had had enough by the time I got there. I thought that'll do me, and I think Eric ended up pulling me up off the ground. <laughs> I was a bit tired, but um, yeah, it was that's the try that probably sticks in my mind most out of all of them. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, our grand final special. There's no off-season on this podcast. We'll enjoy a bye week to regroup and prepare, then it's straight back into it. Mondays will be question-answer podcasts. Your questions, their answers. The biggest names in rugby league, both past and present, answering what you want to hear. Midweek, we're going to look at different eras, different clubs and players and their impact on the game. The controversies, the good, the bad and the ugly, there'll be interviews as well. It's unlike anything you've ever heard before. Then on the weekend, proof you don't necessarily have to be a big name to have a big story and not a footballer in sight. I'll be chatting with some of the most interesting, complex, passionate and inspiring people I know, all with a story to tell. 
You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be amazed. And it's most certainly unfiltered. Before you go, make sure you're subscribed to the potty so you don't miss an episode. And wherever you are listening, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It helps us in business terms as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon, legends. Legends.